As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, Mike D'Antoni, Ime Udoka, Amari Stoudemire have populated Steve Nash's assistant coach openings. We'll talk about what that means for the season, what the team is going to look like, and the potential conflicts that could be developing about this dream team of assistant coaches. Don't forget about Jacques Vaughn, Tiago Splitter, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn's going to be on there too. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Mm, I don't know. Check us. I might stop doing that. We'll see. No. Brian. <laughs> it's literally we'll the one. We'll talk. It's the one thing that yeah. I love that you do. Everything else yeah. I would throw out. Everything else you can, you can take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, this is the Glue Guys. You can find us at Daily.com, The Athletic. I think this may be the last day, if you're listening to Whoa. this on Friday, to get in at a dollar a month. That's going to change. So to get in behind that paywall go to theathletic.com slash glue guys brian the nets are back back in the news back in the news little news (laughs) something to chew into i gotta say i think the nba like needs to give an extra bonus to the nets in some way because you know through obviously lakers win a championship big deal blah 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 the nets have been the newsiest team the newsiest team of this offseason and it the news and just last offseason I mean it's been it's been a news it's been a great time to have a Nets podcast let's put it that way Mike and we haven't really been podcasting during no that time. we haven't so well, that's kind I mean, of our key. it comes and it comes and it goes we you know we pop in when 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 the big news like Mike D'Antoni hits Mike D'Antoni one of the the, the great head coaches of his era is now an mm. assistant coach for the Nets a visionary would you say would you say Mike D'Antoni is a a Billy Bean esque visionary. I don't know. If, so it is interesting. To use Billy Bean as the way to kind of intro this. I saw Moneyball for the first time a week ago. Ooh. It's been something that a bit for whatever reason. It like all of my, 
you know, free TV watching things. Like it's Moneyball has always been behind some like way too expensive paywall <laughs> of like $12 or something. So I just never got around to it. What was now. your Moneyball take now that you've seen it? I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I, I usually, I usually can't watch Jonah Hill, but uh, no, that's, I don't know. I said that's that. So that's mean. mean. <laughs> I the guy worked so hard to be entertaining. I, I, and I actually do enjoy him personally. So that was way out of line. Um, but no, it was good. Yeah, yeah good. he Fun literally flick. did a skateboarding movie called Mid '90s or whatever yeah. it was. Isn't that yeah, like, like that. your life? That was that was my life. You, you yes. could have been just, that kid in just that movie, minus all the trauma. Yeah, that, but it was <laughs> everything except for the abusive family structure. Oh, I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't yeah, see yeah. it. Didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, I only right. watched Shia LaBeouf movies, not Jonah Hill movies. I've been catching up on those too. We can talk about it after the show. After the show. Anyways, Mike D'Antoni, assistant coach, Ime Udoka. Assistant coach now with your Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and we got the news earlier in the week that Red Wine Bath Maestro himself. Wow. If you all forgot about that, that's the thing that happened. Amari Stoudemire. Uh, I did forget about that. What is that? What's that meme? He he what? used to, uh, to recover his body, he would bathe in red wine. Like like nice red wine or just two buck chuck? Like probably, probably <laughs> the cheap stuff. Right? popping open two buck chuck. <laughs> just the cooking wine? If you could yeah. bathe in any uh, anything that had uh, percent alcohol content in it, what would be yeah. your choice? Obviously, Four Loco is outlawed, so you cannot choose Four Loco. You but- know, I, had a, I used to work with a guy at a restaurant who had a case of original Four Loco that he had gotten like on eBay. Oh and he was like, he's like, I swear to God, you're going to talk to me and you know, 20 years and this thing's going to be worth something real case. This case. Of and he may be right. Who it was it the Who Pulp knows? Fiction when you, he, what did they open the trunk and gold, the gold, <laughs> yeah, right. just for loco. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's, you, he's going for you yeah. kids at home, Brian, explain what for loco was. Cause that was, everyone we knows in, what for loco was. Well, we on. were in college. And I don't know. Well, so we, here's what happened. There was a, they're I mean, all drinking maybe, seltzers maybe, these days. Maybe people don't know that there was original for loco and then the current iteration of for loco. And in the original, it was some like true diabolical concoction of <laughs> whatever, like the, like taurine and you know, oh, like taurine. The, yeah, baby. <laughs> Gas yeah, me up. Whatever those are. All and, natural. And, By the way, all natural. We should say. Right. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, and so it was like a Red Bull that like killed you, basically. And I think it was idea. 24 ounces, right? I th- yeah, they're huge. They're big. I mean, I remember I went to a weird party in the woods one time, and there was a lot of Four Loco going around. And more than one person was just like, because you're still super awake, but you're blacked out, like just babbling, super alert looking, but like making baby noises. Two people, at least. I've definitely told this story before on the podcast, but if we're talking Four Loco, this is my Four Loco story. I was in broadcast journalism at Syracuse, and wow. one of the kids wow. in the class before hey, Halloween. Congrats! Oh, thank you. Yeah, big yeah. school, new house. It's really done me well, obviously. Mm. Um, right. Uh, one of the kids in the class, the the story he actually did for Halloween before, like our we would do like news reports, uh, was about the dangers of Four Loco. That gentleman <laughs> proceeded to drink Four Loco that weekend and fell off wow. a second floor balcony and broke his wow. arm. And the kicker, his costume, he was Captain Crunch. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So, Four Loco, don't drink it. Uh, Red Wine Bath, yes. The Nets assistant coaching staff is on fire. Yes. It feels like we should have Ocean's Eleven music in the background. We have sort of the old wizen veteran, you know, the the guy who's already been around the block too many times, Mike Mm D'Antoni, Steve Nash. The young hotshot with all this potential, but can he pull it all together? Mm. You have Yudoka, 
who is who is providing the defensive background. So maybe he's like the ammunitions ammunition specialist. And Amare, yeah. the wild card. What yeah. is he gonna do? We don't know. It's an amazing coaching staff. And can you how so many exciting. coaching staff members are you allowed to have? Is it just you can I mean this seems like a lot of people, right? I think it's I infinite. Mean, maybe it's infinite, right? I mean, it's been growing more and more, right? Like if you if you watch old games, there were like three old people on the bench and they would yell at each other. Now it's there's two rows of coaches and the Nets have already kind of been breaking ground on the assistant coaches. And I got to give shouts to and I want to get the correct Twitter feed and I apologize. I won't. Whoever it is that runs the account that does the SpongeBob SquarePants Nets parodies. He tweeted out a good poll, which was who's going to have the best halftime interviews because obviously for years yes have only had not kenny atkinson do it it's been the assistant coaches and they've been stale and boring but we love adam harrington here and he's still a part of the gang but now those halftime interviews are going to be amare uh and d'antoni who's like known as like a jovial like west virginia twang yeah good very good energy um david aldridge from the athletic by the way uh, tweeted out that it, you know, Nash in his pursuit of to kind of build this great culture around the team and sort of more easygoing, he could not have picked a better person than Mike D'Antoni because D'Antoni is known as high intellect, highly competitive, but not a not a jerk. Not a jerk. And this is why. So <clears throat> shout out to Mister Crazy Not So Crazy on Twitter mm. who tweeted at us and Woj. Um, I feel a and then two knife emojis. In the back, which I I respect, obviously the um, the thought process because we've seen that you know I mean Lawrence Frank tried his best, but you know as as they say when you come at the king you you best not miss. Um, that was a Jason. That's yeah. a Jason Kidd quote. I, I believe could almost been a Billy King, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't get the feeling that Mike D'Antoni has much to prove anymore with that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, like, I just think like his I think it's almost like he's pretty stoked to not be uh, not like the the first the primary reason for losing or whatever. The guy whose head is constantly on the chopping block, whatever it is. You know, I think he's happy to not have so much responsibility just for a year. Yeah, you know, maybe more. Yeah. And it, it was obviously like he didn't immediately become an assistant coach. I think he became one because all the jobs got gobbled up. I think there's one more job out there. I got to think. I think it's the Thunder. The Thunder still exist in the world as a team. They still have Chris Paul. Uh, I, I imagine Mike D'Antoni wasn't willing to go to Oklahoma City to coach a non-Chris Paul-led Thunder squad. Um, so, like, I'm sure he would have won if, like, the 76ers had given him the job. He would have done it. I do think our personalities, we would enjoy being assistant coaches more than head coaches. Um, and it is, like, this is an absolute luxury that the Nets have Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach. I, we were talking when they originally had the opening, when they fired Kenny Atkinson, and we talked about, oh, maybe Mike D'Antoni's probably not going to be with the Rockets. He would be a great head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. And the Nets have now him, his mind, his basketball intellect, and his attitude as an assistant coach. That's a crazy, like, there's very few teams that even have the ability to kind of pull that off. You know, Mike D'Antoni's not going to the Pacers to be an assistant coach. He's going to the Nets because they have a chance to win a championship. He probably believes that. And obviously, Steve Nash, the Steve Nash effect. Like, I guarantee Nash is te was texting him the whole time saying, obviously, if you don't land anywhere, just come here for Brooklyn. Live in Brooklyn for a year. Get yourself a brownstone. Real estate's 
This is the time to buy. It's a good time. It's a good time to get in. Come in, use some of that Houston Rockets money, that tax-free Houston Rockets, <clears throat> Texas no-income taxes money. Buy yeah. yourself a brownstone, sit on it for 20 years. And then when you're <laughs> Don't nine, live in it. Do whatever you do, do not live in it. Old, yeah. You can flip it. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's it's insane. You know, like, yeah. I'm trying to think good. of a comparable, like, in television, like, as if some actor came along onto a TV show and just, like, the third season and just gave it jet fuel that really boosted mm-hmm. it. Can't really think of, a, like, a great comparison point. There's probably yeah. some office example that we could do, but like, I'm not a big Andy Bernard guy. I don't know no, you. No. <laughs> um, so it, it's basically the opposite of Andy Bernard. Uh, it's yeah. like if like a good thing happened, not like an those annoying. Are, thing. Those are some rough seasons with we had oh, Stephen Colbert God. like skyping in. Like, what is what is what's going on here? Steve Carell, Colbert. Remember he was like Broccoli Robin in one of the, in those episodes. Really? So you couldn't even get him to show up. He just shows up on the computer. Oh God. Um, they really they really mailed it in. Are one you, of the things we didn't. Oh, sorry, oh, I know what were you going to say. I was going to say one of the things we didn't talk too much about is like just Amari Stoudemire when he got hired specifically like a week ago. Um, people had there were some mixed opinions about that. Um, and I think now, though, like now that the whole roster of assistant coaches is, is filled out, the Stoudemire pick makes a lot more sense to me. Well, it's uh, not only just for the like the Antonio reasons, but just because like he's a spiritual leader, a true spiritual leader, and I think that like and the Venn diagram a Jewish of, spiritual leader, if you're going to be honest, and that yes, if I'm specifically is that yeah, because um, I'm tribal. Yeah, you don't want the, the Catholic spiritual leader is yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. It's anyways, uh, but the Venn diagram of like influences in the assistant coaching room, I like that there's at least someone doing the spiritual thing in. In the room, you know, it's good. To, it's important to have, you know, for the spiritual guys, somebody to 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 key in on in it's, that way. It's most like World of Warcraft, right? Like you need if you're you don't building, want to be spec'd too specifically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're bringing it, if you're rolling with your squad in World of Warcraft, and mind you, I never <laughs> played it, so please don't at me. But like yeah. you did, I think you wanted a guy who had mystical power, like who focused, like you, a wizard type, a paladin. You wanted a healer, you know, yeah, some. Yeah. Amari is a healer. That's he's, he's a, healer. a healer of the mind, body, and soul. Um, right. And and by the way, you speak about some some heat the Nets were getting when it was just Amari Sotomayor announced as the the supporting player in the Steve Nash Broadway play. Um, Mo DeKeel from the Athletic. He also writes for Bleacher Report. He's going to be on the show later after Brian and I talk. Mo was one of the people that were critical of how Steve Nash was going about his assistant coach at hires, but having uh, texted with him. He is now feeling a bit better about it. And if you don't know who Mo is, Mo used to work in the video coordinating realm in the video room for the Clippers and Spurs. So he knows basketball more than I do. So he's going to is going to really tell us what he thinks about it. Um, I am. a okay. here's my fears. I'm going to lead with fears and I'll go to to happiness. Okay, the the fears are one. um. They, so basically, he's constructed a staff of th- at least three guys, I think, that probably are going to want a head coaching position next season if they can get it. Jacques Vaughn, if he was hired as a head coach, would be gone. Uh, Ime Udoka ha- w- interviewed for a bunch of jobs, and it's probably still on the short list for other jobs that may open up next year. And D'Antoni. I mean, D'Antoni probably wanted a head coaching position and didn't get it. Just didn't happen from this offseason. Now, I don't think that's going to des- definitely do problems, but... Brian, I would ask you, like, 
it's it's a little like what we thought the Lakers bench was going to be, and obviously that all worked out. But like you hire Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins to be the assistant to Frank Vogel, I think Steve Nash is going to be fine. I think everything will handle it. But there's a little bit of an element of like the there's too many people that want the big job, and usually coaching staffs aren't constructed that way. Usually it's pretty much you really have like a nice hierarchy. It's head coach. Mm-hmm lead assistant and then like you just kind of grab whoever you can grab for your coaching stuff are you worried that there's uh, a team of rivals now that are all going to be kind of pursuing head coaching opportunities while they're trying to be assistant coaches um i mean the only i don't know i mean this goes back to mr crazy not so crazy on twitter and sort of the the backstabby post um i think there's a couple reasons why i'm not super worried about it i don't I mean, it's possible that Amari has grander ambitions than just being assistant coaching. Uh, I'm not. Sh- I I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about him in particular. But everyone else, I think, is in a different spot. I think the only one that I'm like genuinely thinking is like truly got an eye on the door would be <clears throat> Jacques Vaughn, just because he's been kind of carried over. He had gotten a glimpse of the big job and then wasn't sort of gifted it by the end of the season. Uh, that's symbolic in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> so like he's the only one, but, uh, and then also there's like now this, all these like ex Phoenix sun bros in the room who are probably, you know, going to be reminiscing, crushing beers, talking about the good old days uh, with their feet on the table. Like the door uh, will be open in Nash's office. It'll be D'Antoni and Amare yeah, in there. Yeah. And like Jacques walks by with his bamboo and it's yeah. like, Hey, what you guys doing in there? And they're like, they're Oh, all, nothing. They're like laughing as he walks in. They're like, all nothing. in, in Amari's hot tub of wine, <laughs> just sitting around smoking cigars. If they were all just just bathing in it together, just all <laughs> yeah, different yeah, bodies, obviously. a lot of different body types <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah, um, yeah, I can, and I can totally see that. Um, D'Antoni's also of the age that if anyone's ever been to a gym, typically that age group doesn't like to wear clothes in locker rooms. Do you know what I'm saying, Brian? I do. Yeah. I do know what you're saying. It's been a while since I've been in a locker room, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess locker rooms don't exist anymore. Yeah, like, they stopped existing. Damn, I wonder if I that'll missed. still be the case. If if maybe maybe that's the silver lining to all this is that'll go away. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the one good yeah. thing. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess to answer your question, I'm not super concerned about it. But the two wild cards are Amari and Jacques Vaughn. Uh, I mean, Tiago Split are always a wild card forever. Um, is that everyone? Who else is there? I mean, we still got Adam Harrington. Adam Harrington and there's uh Jordan Ott or there's yeah. th- because there were people on the back end of, deep cuts. of Kenny's bench that just we, we weren't like clued in on. It didn't really ups- like our lives weren't addressed to this. And th- and like Atkinson's bench is more of a traditional NBA coach's bench. He wasn't attracting like Jacques Vaughn was brought in with Kenny because to give Kenny Atkinson someone to lean on. I will say this out of full respect for Jacques Vaughn and loving what he did for the bubble nets because he really did an incredible job pulling together a team that had half of its roster depleted from COVID and from injuries. He was still able to put together a squad that like obviously was, I think, five and three in the bubble. And, you know, the Raptor series was the Raptor series, but that's fine. Um, His lead assistant title is about as flimsy as it could possibly be right now. And that's no shots to him. But when you bring in Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni, I haven't done the numbers yet, Brian. I think he's literally the most accomplished assistant coach of all time in the NBA now, right? Like, 
what other great NBA head coach who has done all the things that D'Antoni has done? Who, uh, I would have said Lawrence Frank, but yeah, I mean, now this is the newest, the newest, greatest. Who? Joe Prunty, number one. Top. Prunty's a big one. Prunty's the probably the the epitome of assistant coaches. No, but if you look, I mean. Again, I'm sure someone will will figure out a, a better answer than Mike D'Antoni, but I don't think there's ever been a coach who is you know that highly decorated to ever become <laughs> then become an assistant coach. So they have him, and if he was running the Nets, Mike D'Antoni, everyone would probably be pretty happy about that. So I you know I'm happy Jacques Vaughn has the title of lead assistant. I think he'll be very good for Steve Nash in saying, one, I know these players pretty well. I can help kind of push you and like tell, give you early insight about that. I think Nash will probably pretty quickly pick up on who is good and who is bad. But D'Antoni's going to be the guy. Like, like when, when Nash is really needing help, and this is a good thing, but when Nash really needs help, he's going to turn to Mike D'Antoni. Love Jacques Vaughn, but it's D'Antoni. So I, I do think there's going to be some interesting, like, if I'm Jacques Vaughn, I'm happy I'm getting... I, I think he's going to be the highest paid assistant coach in basketball. That may be changing, but I, but, and I'm also told I'm the lead assistant, but like, also like he's not just going to have as much impact as maybe he believed going into this situation. So what, but that, that doesn't matter. They, they, ha- hmm. they've just gotten the dream team of assistant coaches. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> Our cup runneth over Mike, you know, and just keeps running over, over and over. You know, we, when we were looking at head coaching candidates, um, well, first let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and let's talk about a little Ime Odoka. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So Ime Adoka, when we were going through the head coaching candidates, you know, he's not mysterious in any sense, only that like he's unproven. And you would see his names in, in like sort of the coaching rumors. But... Everything you hear about him, like class act, really intelligent, um, defensive-minded coach, Spurs system, all that great stuff. Um, you know, he may be the true key of this whole thing. I, I just think it's incredible, and I'm trying to figure out what it means that the Nets were able to get all these people in. Do you think that's just an indication of Joe size willing to pay a whole bunch of money? Or is it an indication that these coaches really think the Nets have a shot at winning the championship and they know like that's what like that's the way to get a job is to be on a championship team. Yeah, well, it's a combination of all those things and you know, I'm I'm hesitant to just go all in on this and seem like too much of a homer. Um but it does occur to me that this is like kind of a really great situation, you know, not only in just in terms <laughs> of competitiveness, super wealthy owner plus also a pretty cool place to live at a really pivotal time in the city's history potentially. 
there's just a lot of like special juju in Brooklyn, I think, at the moment on a couple of levels, both basketball and non-basketball. So, yeah, I don't know. It's funny to think that like just over on the other side of the town is is MSG, which is it's looking dreary by comparison, like truly. I mean, more and more. I mean, I don't want to go too much into all that or whatever. Homerism, but I do think like right now the Nets organization has provided some of like the best gigs in town on on both levels. Yeah, both, yeah. When when someone like Mike D'Antoni chooses to you know put <clears throat> get, like because D'Antoni could have gotten like a TV job for a year, made money, and then gone and done you know gotten another head coaching gig. Now he's here, I think, because of Nash. I think it speaks to Nash's. We kind of knew this already, but. Nash has must have like one of the more unique natures about him that people are just they gravitate towards him. Every time you hear like Raja Bell talk about Steve Nash or Jared Dudley, you know, like he's a little hypnotic, isn't he? He's he's something hypnotizing about him. Yeah. And that matters as a head coach. Obviously, like we had talked when Jason Kidd was a player, people talked about Jason Kidd being like the smartest basketball player they've ever played with. And he hasn't been that as a coach. Doesn't mean that he won't, but he hasn't been that as a coach. Mm. So maybe Steve Nash, like, I, it doesn't directly translate. But I think the EQ rating, you know, that ability that he has, there's no reason why that wouldn't translate. And he just, ha- like, bringing in, Jock Vaughn has called timeouts. Like, so what's the big fear about Steve Nash? He won't know when to call timeout. Okay. All right. So, Jock Vaughn, you're the timeout czar. Call timeouts. Yeah. You know, like, did see, everyone agree that Jacques Vaughn was like especially good at, at, <clears throat> at the timeout thing? I know that people hated he, Kenny Atkinson's timeouts. He's known but. as the greatest timeout coach in the history of basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Kenny I mean, Atkinson the, was a horrible timeout coach. We should get, we should tap Seth Portnoy for this and get him to do some, some analysis of like what is the best timeout and who's the, the like preeminent timeouter. <laughs> The preeminent timeouter and <laughs> yeah. like that, that's really the, like Spencer Dinwiddie said that coaching is like 90% relationships and 10% X's and O's. It's really mm-hmm. 10% timeouts. That's what I think too. You know, it's when you, yeah. I mean, the Kenny timeouts were ridiculous. He, they were egregious. Cons- we can look up, we can look back at that now and say with- <laughs> consistently would do it way too late or yeah. just, it just wouldn't, it would always be the wrong time. It would rarely be the right time for a Kenny Atkinson right. timeout. That's, um, that's why he he was let go, not because he wouldn't start DeAndre Jordan. Um, Nailed it. There it is. Yeah, I, it's it's I, so to kind of go back to like the whole question of is this indicative that the Nets are going to be good? I think the Nets are going to be good. <laughs> yeah, can we think allow from, ourselves to say that? Like, can we? Yeah, that's that's what's messed up because like our it is <clears throat> only until recently. It still seems insane to be like, oh, the Nets is like one of the best jobs in town, either as a basketball player or an administrative person, whatever. Um, because like, that's just been an insane thing to say for the last 25 years plus or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's not, uh, it's, it's going to take some getting used to that muscle is, is, is not tight. It's not pumped up. We gotta, we gotta pump that muscle up, <laughs> but it is also, there's a little bit of a, um, cuts both ways. Cause then you don't want to be like annoying right there's like an annoying element to that when you go too far to the other end and now you're a lakers or celtics fan and you're the worst so it's important while we exercise our muscles to be eating our humble pie remembering our our humble beginnings you know while we uh watch what will surely be a 
pretty cool three years at the very least of basketball. Three you know? championships in a row. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know about all that, but another shout out to Seth Partner. I, I saw the second part of his um, player Raider thing was out today. Do you see that? NBA player rankings? Yeah. Um, I hate to derail us, but Dude, uh, derail. It's, it's super good, first of all. Derail, but just a tease, we're going to talk a little bit about what the assistant coaches mean for Joe Harris's future with the Nets. Just a tease, oh, okay. but keep yeah. going. Bring that around. So he has got the top 125 players now. He's released the the top half. And he also has this cool thing where he's basically done this like matrix of which teams have the highest concentration of talent based on his whole thing. And we're in one of six teams, uh, Mike, with a sort of high concentration of talent, um, which checks out, obviously. Yeah, the Nets tie for the most – with six players, tie for the most amount of players in the – five player tiers that you have the top 125 players the nets have six of them which ties for like i think there's a couple of other teams in the league like you're saying and what's kind of interesting about that is that obviously they could flip three of them and bring in a fourth one and still have four right they still have kd Kyrie, you know joe harris and if you flip karis levert and dinwiddie and allen you know, Alex Schiffer for The Athletic, and we were going to talk to Alex about this, but then we 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 were going to talk to him about this yesterday, but we canceled the pod. Brian's internet was bad. My internet was bad. Alex Schiffer is a busy man, so he couldn't be with, you know, he couldn't be with us for it's, the three hours. It's been so, like monsoon season out here, Mike. All the rain. That's the people issue. Don't, people don't know this. Brian and I record like Joe Rogan type podcasts, and we, we edit it down to 40 minutes. Usually there are five hours, right? And so you're missing out a lot of content, but... um. The Schiffer had a really good story with John Hollinger based. It's just fake Nets trades, but he had John Hollinger weigh in, which is uh, kind of important. So the the basis of it is not to be derailed too much. The Drew Holiday trade and the Bradley Beal trade, what it would actually take. And Hollinger indicated it's like you would do Levert, Torian Prince, at least two first round picks. And you probably have to do Jared Allen, but it wasn't definite. And he was like, you probably have to do Jared Allen if you're trying to beat out like the Warriors who can offer, you know, the guy they picked this year, the the Timberwolves pick next year. And I found that interesting because that's actually a lower amount of assets that I thought they would have to give up for Bradley Beal. But to talk about Joe Harris for a second. So Mike D'Antoni Wait. isn't. Oh, yes, sorry, please, can I please, just do please, one yes, last thing? Sorry, yeah. and not to be continually to derail us, but we did get an amazing email from your boy John from BK about the trade, which I think you're going to really enjoy, Mike. I think please. you're really going to like this. So he says, yo, dudes, love the pod. Y'all have incredible 2018-2019 Nets level chemistry for real and always bring the right amount of totally dumb. That is a great way to start an email, John, because we are egomaniacs. Um <laughs> He says, thought maybe you could use this, even though I'm too late for the Drew pod, which I haven't listened to yet. No worries. No worries. Uh, so he says, Neither but anyway, I. I just <laughs> I just watched the bridge thing uh, with subtitles. And after I got over the goosebumps and giddy laughter, I couldn't help but notice a clear message that Jarrett Spencer Musa slash pick for Drew is going down. He's got he's got screen caps here, Mike. Of So the first image is uh, Sean Marks with the subtitle under him saying, we're certainly not going to be satisfied, right? That's the first image. Sure. And, then, and the second image is where it's it's uh, Jared Allen 
and he's being celebrated with his other friends, with his other teammates. And it says, we're in it for the journey. And then under that, it's Spencer with the caption, the journey is where you get your reward. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So he says, and no Musa anywhere in this video, despite the fact that Kurix, Klax, and TLC make appearances. In fact, I'm speaking of Klax, maybe this is another sign of Alan's imminent move. And so there's like this moment of Klax having, uh, you know, a dunk and this is all this and maximizing our potential. So this guy's this guy's going deep on this video, which I really appreciate. Um, anyway, so he's uh, he says I'll miss Jared, but I'm already ready for Max Clax spitballing here. Max Clax is what he wants for for the nickname potentially for for Claxton. Um, so he's put it he's put it all together. <laughs> he's put and it all together. This is from the that, bridge, like, which is like the Nets. Exactly. TV this show. is their propaganda, their state-run propaganda <laughs> machine. Um, so there it is. There you have this it. This isn't too far away from Q Anon Brian over here. Mike, this is this is basically how you arrived at your uh, Greg Popovich <laughs> takes. You know, he did sell his house. By the yeah, way, did yeah, you see that? Right. It, yeah, Greg finally sold his his wa- Jerusalem wine selling house that he yeah. uh, that he was trying to offload because he was going to come to the Nets. Yeah, I still I still need an answer of where all that pop smoke was coming from because i mean another assistant coach why not we got let's why stop now about you know? that we yeah. do need a we could use another defensive assistant right and him pop and d'antoni is like the kaminsky method of assistant coaches at this point yeah. do you know what the kaminsky method is brian i don't wait do i remember that's what it that is? that's that michael uh. doug i think it's michael douglas and um alan arkin show on netflix that gets oh, wow. nominated no, for every award but no yeah. one has ever seen just yeah. hasn't no one's ever seen it but it, yeah. it it's nominated every year for like the golden globe and the emmy and just does this tell you what exists. that that shit's creek really snuck up on me too i mean i, I had no idea it's yeah. really interesting what just the world people who are just watching that kind of tv are watching you know that, that just popped off um let's do final thoughts on yes. oh let me do my joe harris thing one sec okay yeah. so okay. d'antoni ain't cheap Ime Udoka ain't cheap Jock Vaughn, they just they had made at one whatever. I don't know if he still is, but the highest paid assistant in basketball. I'm sure they're paying Steve Nash a healthy sum that we haven't seen numbers on that, which is interesting. More Q Anon Nets. Yeah, I don't really want to associate ourselves with that. But anyways, the none of these people are cheap, right? And so Joe Sai, we we you know, net income is is very much big on the fact that like Joe Sai has a whole bunch of money. And that his his the value of his life increases and increases and increases, but all of us fear that 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 he still will get squeamish when it comes to paying Joe Harris and Seth Part. Now, when I did talk to him, so if people don't know who Seth is, and everyone should listen to that that last podcast. Seth used to run the analytics department for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so he smart guy, known smart guy. And when I brought up how people in Netsland were fearing how much money Joe Harris may get, and he was like, how much are they saying? Like, as in, like, get ready for it. And I said, 15 million, 18 million a year. He's like, that's average starter money. And, you know, you and I actually diagnosed his exact contract in an episode many times ago. I mean, we were saying it's a possibility of like 18 million a year. Like, that's a, that's a clear possibility for Joe Harris. And if you think about it, what is Torian Prince getting? He's getting like thirteen million a year, and the Nets didn't even like get a sniff of him yet. They brought mm. him in, and he immediately got paid thirteen million dollars in an extension. So, all of this is to say, none of these assistant coaches are cheap. 
Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire is now the second wealthiest assistant coach of all time behind Tim Duncan in terms of career earnings. Mm. Um, if none of these guys are cheap, obviously they don't count towards the luxury tax. Josiah showed nothing to indicate that he is going to be cheap. And he's shown everything to show that he's dedicated to win a championship. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win a championship. And if he keeps showing that level of character, that means Joe Harris is going to be a Brooklyn net. He's going to get a four-year, $60 million, $70 million, $80 million contract, whatever wow. it is. And that will hurt luxury tax-wise. Uh, but if you lose Joe Harris, you immediately have to fill the Joe Harris slot. Torian Prince isn't good enough to fill a Joe Harris slot. He's fine, and if the Nets keep him because they just have him and they can't get rid of him, um, Torian Prince is fine. But he's not good enough to be Joe Harris. So if you get rid of Joe Harris, it'd be like, I'll say it, it'd be like the Yankees letting Mariano Rivera walk, right? Well, Because Mariano is. Rivera is the greatest of all time at what he did. Uh, not that Joe Harris is that, but Joe Harris is basically peak shooter guy, right? Shooter bro. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He is Mark Wahlberg in the movie Shooter. The Shooter, yeah. Is it just Shooter or The Shooter? I think you're right. It's usually The, right? Or wait, no, I think it's just Shooter. Yeah, it could be Shooter. I think it's just Shooter. Um, <clears throat> is that the same one where it's? he did a different one where he... Anyways, we don't have to get into it. Mar- I mean, yeah, pretty much all of Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> yeah. movies are just like him with a gun. <laughs> yeah, running around. Yeah, but like... He- running around Afghanistan somewhere? Yeah. That movie. What was that yeah. movie where he was? Like That's what I was trying to falling think. Falling down yeah. the the hill. The just, hill. <laughs> the oh hill scene. He took a tumble. I was like me going down my stairs the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good place to end it, Brian. Michael, thank you. I for had doing fun. This. Yeah, I had a great time. I'll probably do it again. There's a good chance. We should. Brian and I. So coming up right now is Mo DeKeel. Mo DeKeel from the Athletic and Bleacher Report. Mo was in the video coordinating room. He was a video coordinator for the L.A. Clippers and San Antonio Spurs. Mo and I are going to discuss what he thinks of Steve Nash's coaching hires, what it indicates, what kind of coach Steve Nash will be. Oh, should I? So should I should I get should I hop off the call? Should I step? Should I excuse myself? Is that do you need the room? Sorry. Yeah, you can have it. You can. No, it's all good. Yeah, you, you guys talk. You guys talk. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Mo, thank you so much for joining us today on the Glue Guys. I, I've worked with so just delivered. I've worked with Mo for about more than almost like a year now, right? Or, yeah. or more than a year now on various different podcasts, but we've never done a podcast 
together. I don't think I don't think I've said a word really on the podcast. But thank you so much for joining. We we try to limit you as much <laughs> as possible on other podcasts. So uh, we gave we we. We let I guess they let you have the next one to, to be able to get your opinions out so that we, we don't let you infiltrate the other pods. It's just me complaining about the company, really. That's the <laughs> But what tell people all the places that they can hear and read you before we even get going. Well, you know, on the Athletic Podcast Network, I host with Kelly Eco Brody and the Beard. Uh we cover the Houston Rockets, obviously, with that name. And I'm co-host of the Nerder She Wrote, part of the NBA show podcast, plays on Fridays. And yeah, and then I'm just on various other podcasts. You know, you'll catch me on Clip City with Yovan. You'll catch me on the Daily Ding every now and then on Buds. And if you, for my writing, you can find me at Bleacher Report. Um, best thing to do is just follow me on Twitter at Dekeel underscore NBA, and, and you'll find all my work from there. And, and the other thing, so I had Seth on last week to talk about his player tiers. I have you on this week and I've never had Dave DeFore on. So don't, this is gonna... don't, don't like <laughs> just, just hold that against Dave for a while. <laughs> it's going to be, going to be ugly, but why we're talking, actually Dave was the person who told me I should talk to you. So <laughs> a gracious moment from him. Um, we're talking because Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets have hired a few big names to be assistant coaches, Mike D'Antoni being one of them. And I know that you previously, we're a little concerned about the way the assistant coaching bench was being structured and maybe your feelings have changed, but trace it back a little bit. Okay. So let's, when Steve got hired and we're starting to hear some names of assistant coaches, what were you thinking early on about some of those names? Well, like first when Steve got hired, it was announced immediately that Jack Vaughn was going to stay on kind of as an associate head coach. Like he became the highest paid assistant at the time and, and things like that. So I think, you know, I was like, okay, that makes sense you know, have a guy who would, with NBA experience. And look, we don't know one way or the other, how good a coach Steve Nash is going to be. We know how great of a player he is. It doesn't always translate. And, you know, I brought that up on buds and the guys were kind of killing me a little bit with, with some of the examples. But the one thing I think that's interesting about Steve Nash's hire versus all the other former players who've gotten jobs as, as head coaches, uh, in particular without experience is they were going out for those jobs. They were interviewing for jobs. They were trying to get um, other coaching jobs, you know, and then hap- and then land one it with the Steve Nash thing. It almost feels like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Cause you, you're more plugged in than me, Mike. It almost felt like he interviewed them. You know, they came to him going like, Hey, you know, we know you did this in consulting stuff with Golden State and things like that. All right, why don't you come be our head coach? You know, it was it wasn't him seeking them out and seeking out this job. So, you know, for me, it was kind of I was that's raised an eyebrow for me in that sense in terms of Steve Nash's role now as the head coach. You know, he might be great. I mean, he's a hell of a player. He's everybody talks about how well he can communicate with guys and, and get along and all that fun stuff, but. You know, there's still so much more that goes into coaching. And then it got kind of more interesting because then it, you started hearing like, well, he's he tried to get Dirk to come with him. <laughs> OK, Dirk says, hey, I'm, I'm going to doesn't feel right leaving Dallas and, and doing that. So, OK, I raised an eyebrow to that. And then he brings Amari Stoudemire in with him. And, you know, look, Amari, another great player. They had a good pick and roll thing going. I don't look at anybody on the roster as an Amari-like guy. 
No, and, we, and, they, the Nets could actually kind of use an Amari a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. And and listen, and that's part of the thing is Amari was so damn good. Like, you know, it's one <laughs> of those things. Like, there's not a lot of Amari-like guys. But it's, you know, so I don't know how much his skill set and his knowledge of that skill set will really help guys as much. And then, you know, and then just add in the fact, no coaching experience either. You know, and I'm like, wow, they're really building a very inexperienced bench. And I was I was very concerned with that. Normally when a new coach, a first time head coach, you know, whether it be a former player or even just a longtime assistant gets his first gig, they end up usually flooding the bench with guys with experience, you know, if not uh, former head coaches, at least assistant coaches who've been there for a long time. Like look at Steve Kerr. You know, his first two hires were Alvin Gentry and Ron Adams. I mean, you know, Ron Adams wasn't a head coach, but he's been an assistant forever and everywhere. So it kind of made it made sense. And so it's interesting. But then, of course, today the news comes out and I'm hoping this comes out on the pod comes out today on it Friday. Is, yes. um, you know, the the that that kind of made me at least relax a lot more. They're bringing in Mike D'Antoni and Ime Udoka, who. Both, you know, I mean, obviously, D'Antoni, head coach all over the place for years, seven seconds or less sons, whole deal. We know that that's the tie-in with Nash. And then Ime Udoka, who's been an assistant for seven years, former player, you know, was a guy that was interviewing for head coaching job. So, you know, he's in the mix, but another guy with experience on the bench. And that kind of made me feel a lot better, Mike, in terms of at least just experience level of the bench you know, and, and the coaching staff. But before I was beginning to get pretty nervous. So and before we even get to like the specific hires. So we talk about Steve Nash's personality, leadership qualities. What are like the biggest red flags for, or not even red flags? The things that if you've never been a coach before that you would say you should watch out for like these three things. You should be aware that you're going to be unprepared to do these specific kind of roles as a head, head coach. Well, it's just difficult. You know, it's, I don't know if there's just three things I could say straight up, but just kind of talking about, you know, Nash's experience as a consultant is a lot different than your experience, even as an assistant coach, you know, as a consultant, he gets to kind of parachute in and out, right? Like, Oh, Steve's here today. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, when you're an assistant coach, you're supposed to be there every day, right? Like there's a whole, different deal to it and your the level of work you got to put in and the grind and things like that and that's something that he's gonna have he's gonna experience you know as a head coach and it's you know he can't just focus on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like he was able to do when he was in Golden State and just focus on the top guys he's got to give everybody a little bit of love you know he's got to touch the you know the Jared Allens he's got to be there with DJ and and you know, the, the guys at the end of the bench, the the two-way guys, like they all got to kind of feel like they have a stake in it. And I think a lot of that comes from the coach. And I think that's where, you know, the, the learning curve is going to be for him. And he's going to maybe realize like, oh, I'm not able to spend as much time with, with Durant or, or with Irving or, you know, Levert or whoever. Like it's going to be an adjustment there in terms of dividing his time. And then the other thing is, just the million decisions that the coaches have to make that are relatively small, that seem small, but Hey, what time are the buses leaving for the games today? You know what, you know, the traveling, we're traveling this day and this day and this day. Is that okay with you at this time? And things like the small decisions you got to make sometimes as a head coach, you know, that the stuff that ends up on your desk, it's going to surprise him 
a well, little bit of some he's of those. a famous napper and if and and he's a, a picky eater and that's gonna you can't be a picky eater if you're a, a head coach Mo. you no, know that no, i mean you gotta gonna, be ready for he, pizza late night you have to be he's ready gonna, for beers no he's gonna be fine with the <laughs> food he'll figure they'll find know, you, ways you can't to carry get, around vegetables everywhere you have to you he's know, gonna he's, have a bag of kale chips <laughs> like we know he's gonna be i'm not worried about his, his diet <laughs> Mike in, in in the late night snacks. I am. No, you're not. I am. Okay, okay. that's my just burden. because you and I have the bad habits yes. of eating the pizza Terrible. late at night and things like that doesn't mean Steve Nash, who's conditioned <laughs> his body to a whole nother way, I almost think his body would just out and out reject it if he ate sugar. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, I don't. I'm not too worried about that. But it's he's gonna. It's a new experience, you know, and it's a it's a whole challenging stuff. And and this is gonna be. I mean, and, and every head first time head coach has to deal with it. You know, even when you've been an assistant for a long time and you slide over to the head coaching position, I, I said it on Brody and the Beard yesterday talking about Steven Silas uh, getting a, a head coaching job. You're going from, I'm an assistant coach, my job is to suggest things. When you're a head coach, you have to decide things. And I think that's what we're going to find out about Nash. And listen, he's got a lot of things that we, we would like in a coach. You know, the ability to communicate with guys and all of that is such a big plus. You know, he obviously has a high basketball IQ. We've seen him play. Can he translate that as a coach? Can he be able to share that vision across? Can he draw up a play on a clipboard in the last, you know, two, three seconds and he's got to draw something up, a a quick catch and shoot for one of his guys? Can he do that on the fly? Like, we're going to find all of these things out, and that's – that's going to be the, the the whole thing. And what's interesting about the hire and the, the kind of riskiness about it is this is a team that's expected to contend. What Fair or not fair, whether you look at the roster or whatnot, we're expecting this team to be there in the playoffs, to be in the mix and potentially win the finals with the, the roster that they have. And, you know, yeah, now you have a coach that's learning on the fly. Yeah, and I think the thing about, like, obviously there's more pressure – more expectations when you take the Nets job versus the Hornets job. I will say, I do think one thing that will keep his mind at ease is like there is a hierarchy that develops. Now there's some, there's the middle class of the Nets, which is going to be very interesting. It's going to be figured out, but the upper class of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it's like how good of an offensive coach do you really have to be to know what to do with those guys, right? Like they are such elite offensive talents we obviously Kevin's coming back from injury, so we don't know. But that does establish a hierarchy where if like Nash was the Hornets coach and he's trying to figure out how to draw plays for Miles Bridges, you know, it's yeah, it's a different story. It's but different. Like, it's harder to do I, that. I want to push even a little bit just because you have those two guys. You got to build an offensive system that works, you know, like we've mm-hmm. seen two ball dominant guys play together. And, and this is where D'Antoni coming in is huge. Because I think he uh, listen before they hired Nash, I thought D'Antoni would have been a great head Me coach too. for this job. Me that too, was the guy I sure. thought, like, hey, they should be trying to get him, you know. And I thought, you know, just the ability to kind of build an offense that will surround those two guys, and you know, and I think that's going to happen. But the important thing is being able to make it so it's not his turn, your turn type deal, right? It's it's that's the kind of basketball we we think's pretty bad, right? Like, right. it never kind of works out well. It doesn't. 
never have a, that fluidity that you would hope. You know, you got to find a way to integrate the two. What I for find some reason it, when you said the, I didn't think of the Heat the when it was LeBron and Wade, I thought of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. His Man, turn, you your turn. If, w- 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 you know, I mean, we need to get you some better uh, basketball to watch here, Mike. Like, if that's how you're going, and sorry, well, Cleveland fans, but yeah, that's, that's the pinnacle of his turn, your turn. Sorry, yeah, yes. you know. Um, but I just think the like when you think about it between these two guys, like, look, Kyrie Irving's not the screener that Stephen Curry was. You know, Curry was a heavy screener, off ball, on ball. He would had no problem setting screens. I mean, I know Kyrie's done it you know, in Cleveland with LeBron to get switches and things like that. But it is a big difference there. And I think that's going to be interesting. I don't really know. I don't remember a lot of KD setting screens in, in Golden State. He did some in Oklahoma, but it's, you know, it's it, this is going to be an interesting thing, how how this staff kind of integrates these two guys and how they get them to, to really work together will be really the, the main tone set for the rest of the the roster and how everything sits up, but like, that's a big deal for them offensively is how to figure out to get these two guys to play well together. Yeah. And I think, and it's not only that it's like, so if they keep Karis Levert and they keep Dinwiddie, there are just like the whole, like a lot of mouths to feed type thing. Now, obviously you're, you're feeding Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving first, but there's, there's a chance that this is jumbled. And we talk about like the push up the, of the calendar. So if we're moving to Christmas, right there's going to be less time dedicated to, to growing this thing before games start. So there are warning. There's definitely warning elements, but you brought up D'Antoni and offensively, you know, what type of impact do you think he could have knowing from his history, obviously is one of the, you know, the great offensive coach of his era. Um, how do you think he will alleviate maybe some of the issues that could be, that that could have could persist anyways well I think he's going to bring a lot of that Phoenix offense like I actually expect to see this Phoenix offense the seven seconds or less suns or some sort of version of it or variation of it with this team I mean think about it this way their head coach was the point guard their power forwards and assisting coach the the uh one of well, the Sean Marks coaches, is the GM and he was not really you know he's there he was there you know. he, but he, he played a role and then your yeah. one of your assistant coaches was the head coach of that team like there's a yeah element to all of this so i think you know there's I, I i think we'll see some of that pistol action the 21 and things like that i think they'll play at a faster pace i think they'll get moving and get up and down the court and and find the opportunities to attack quickly and the the here's the thing and this is where it'll be important to see what kd looks like coming from back from this injury but like they have the ultimate fail safe Right, they got the seven footer who can get his shot off on anybody anytime. And if that's not working, you still have Kyrie, who can also get his shot off on almost anybody at any time. So, you know, they kind of have that interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see how they figure out what they're going to do with Karis Levert, with Dinwiddie, uh, making sure Joe Harris, assuming they resign him, gets shots up and things like that. They're going to be a team that's going to be hurt, I think, a little bit by this quick restart because. You know, that's an important thing in the offseason for coaching staffs, you know, is kind of working through that after summer league, July, August and and September, kind of putting together the the plan, the playbook, the ideas. Everybody's kind of brainstorming, you know, a lot of coaching staffs go on these like retreats where they'll go away for a week and literally just be pounding out ideas constantly and throwing out stuff and then coming into training camp with boom, here's our plan. Now you're coming in and. 
you know, this is the other thing that's interesting, Mike. We might have free agency during training camp, which is what we had in 100%. the 2011 lockout, right. which makes it even harder. And now you have a first-time head coach dealing with all this. It's it's a challenge. Well, and, and let's go to like – so one of the big questions in the Nets universe is what do you do? Do you make a trade, right? Like so the names that are out there – I'm not even going to say Bradley Beal because he doesn't exist right now. But it's like Drew, Drew Holiday trade. As someone who's been in basketball for his life, you know, do would you be someone who would say, okay, I would give you, let's just say Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and then picks, right? Don't don't worry about the package, but Karis LeVert essentially and Jared Allen for Drew Holiday. To you, is that a no-brainer or is it a big discussion or is it something you wouldn't do? You know, where does it kind of fall on that spectrum? I mean, if, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm, yeah, definitely, right? Like, let's take him in, you know, and... and for New Orleans, I think they're going to have more interesting offers for Holiday. That's going to be a lot more package draft assets, younger assets. You know, if they're moving off Holiday, I think the thing we have to realize is like, oh, they're going young, you know, which means they're not going to want to bring in a guy that's 28 or 29. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I, I don't remember how old Lavert is. He's uh, 20. He's maybe 26, but I'll look it up. Yeah, but I mean, he's like but kind still, of... he's not young, 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 right? He, right, and I think that's kind of what they they would be looking for in that in the package if you're New Orleans. My other thing, Mike, and this is the thing that kind of I'm curious about, like Bradley Beal's a number two, if not uh, almost a number one type option guy. You know, like, is he going to come to be in Brooklyn to be a, and, and be happy being third fiddle? Like, they keep throwing out guys that are... Almost like just great names and like, yeah, we're going to have this great, like it's not even filling out a full team. It's we're going to just put together all these great names together and then figure it out. Like, yes, I would like Bradley Beal on any team or Drew Holiday, but these are guys that also are effective with the ball in their hands and need to have the ball in their hands to be effective. And I'm not sure that's going to fit with their, with this roster because look, Katie and Kyrie are going to eat up minimum 50% of the possessions. And that's just me being nice. I think it's probably going to be closer <laughs> to like 60 to 65 and they should. Right. But like, especially if Katie's looking like his normal self, they should. So do you really want to take, give up a bunch of assets for a guy that you're not even going to be able to maximize his full skill set? That's what's hard. Is that like the, the ultimate ideal of a player that you would want to fit into this roster is like, the upgraded three and D not just like the normal three and D guy, right? Like you want a wing defender who can hit threes and then doesn't need to do anything else really. But one, either that guy, like there's just that level that would take to, to, for the nets to consider to get rid of Karis Levert, you know, you could make a Dinwiddie trade. It's just not, there's not that many of those guys out there, right? There's. And so like what the things I've kind of fallen in love with is like trying to think of just a role player, who can do something for the Nets. So I, I love Larry Nance Jr. And I know he's not a really 3 and D. He's more of a bigger. He shifts more to a 4. And he's not a great 3-point shooter, but he's pretty good. But like I think if I'm Sean Marks, I think about relocating my assets in that way. Where it's like, if Bradley Beal becomes available, you make the Bradley Beal deal. Right? Or if you can. But I don't know if you can... Drew Holiday would be a very big upgrade, but it's also that's difficult because you have to pay him a lot of money very soon. Um, 
and you'd have to give up everything and then you may miss out on Bradley Beal. Where like I would look maybe more for just like tweaking things to begin with and then hope, you know, whoever yeah. comes available comes available. I think it's kind of crazy swinging for the fences with some of these major trades. I think what we saw this playoffs kind of should prove to everybody that you need to build a team that works for your guys. You right. know, look at what the Lakers did. You know, they built a team around LeBron and AD and, you know, took a lot of flack. You know, I was one of them. Like, did they have enough playmaking in the regular season? It was questions about that. Did they have enough shooting? But they built a team that could defend and that can play off those two guys. Look at Miami, you know, and, and we can talk about, wow, the, the bubble really helped them and all that fun stuff. But they were also a team that was built perfectly for each other and each part worked with the next part and, and, and fit in together. And it feels like sometimes we have teams that are just like, it's not quite a perfect fit. Let's just keep smashing it in until it fits in the puzzle. The, you the know? Clippers and issue. <laughs> it Clipper, I mean, but Clippers, you know, you can look at uh, Philly with, with just constantly getting bigs, you know, and not really kind of looking at building a whole full thought out roster. And that's what I think is kind of interesting watching this team kind of all the stuff talking about them trading for like a third guy to me is kind of funny because I'm just like, just build around these two guys. They're pretty damn good. You know, I think you're going to be fine with that. And I think, you know, you talk about a smaller guy, that a uh, smaller piece, they should be sniffing around Houston and seeing if they can steal away a, a PJ Tucker or a, yeah. a, a Robert Covington for, for something, you know, or, or they should be kind of looking around and, and seeing where they can get valuable guys that, that just would fit around this team. You know, I mean, like P.J. Tucker on this Nets team would be huge, you know, I think for what he could do, you know, and playing a force. Of Kevin Durant, too. So, yeah, it matters <laughs> in Brooklyn. That's the other thing that, that Brooklyn needs to kind of start figuring out a, a way to get out of. And this is something that always worries me with teams is when you start building just based on your fav- your best players, favorite guys, yeah, you're running into trouble. Like I've, I, we, we've seen it, right? Like we've seen team players be GMs and I really like this guy in the draft and the team will draft him and the guy just sucks and not in the league three years later. You mean so. the uh, Shabazz Napier, LeBron loves him and then leaves Miami? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's happened more than once, you know? And I think this is the kind of thing front offices got to start staying away from this stuff. Now, Tucker is a different example because I just think he can provide so much for this team. But like... I think they got to think a smaller addition like that would take them further over the top and fit this team better than let's just grab a third guy and in a shortened season with a new head coach who's never coached before. Let's let's make him have to incorporate a third guy into this r- roster. I think it's really difficult and I think it's kind of a uh, short-sighted and and you know, I think it's risky that they're doing. Obviously, look, they turn around and win a championship with a third star. I'm going to look like an idiot. But, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what happens. But I just the way I look at this, I just don't think they're – I'm very curious what's going on with the Nets the past two years in their decision-making. I mean, look, they wanted DeAndre Jordan on the roster, you know, and that's that was a big deal. That was the only way they can get Kyrie and, and KD, and that fine. But that's at the detriment of a better player in Jared Allen, who's younger and more cost-effective. Like there, you're making these decisions based on that, but it's hurting you in the long run. And it's it, at some point, and maybe maybe if it wins them a championship, you're done. You don't have to apologize. But if it doesn't, you're you're having problems. Yeah, but 
every star, literally every star in the NBA right now has gotten that allowance, right? So if we're saying DeAndre Jordan is that, which he is, right? You wouldn't give him four years, 40 million if he was if he wasn't part of the package, right? Well, I don't want to be too callous, but KCP was on the Lakers for many seasons and getting paid before LeBron got there. And then he gets there and like LeBron has always had his guys, right? Like kind of what we're classically talking about his clutch guys, whatever. That's fine. Um, Kawhi Leonard wants Paul George. And but but the the, the difference, Mike, I'm going to push back, especially the KCP one. They didn't have anybody better. You know, he KCP wasn't taking minutes away from somebody that was better than him on the roster. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think I, I mean, they were overpaying him. So if we want to look at it from a money perspective, they could have been using his salary slot in a more effective way that could have improved their team. They could have gotten them better players than what they had. I'm going before LeBron, right? right like right. I'm right. And that's also the young Lakers. So like what were young Lakers doing with KCP? Now, I do think people forget when Kid Davis Caldwell Pope was a free agent going into that free, the, like the first big free agency after his rookie contract or whatever it was, it was like him and Otto Porter were the two prizes going into that season. And KCP didn't play as well and Otto Porter played as what Otto Porter does. And he got actually the big contract from the Nets that the Wizards matched. I pretty, but again, I, I, I mean, Giannis, it happens less with Giannis, but his, you know, we don't have to go down this road, but his brothers are in the league for, for a reason, right? So there's all these allowances that we're just giving stars, but I agree with you that you can't do it. You can't do it too much where it's like DeAndre Jordan, DJ Augustine, uh, PJ Tucker. Those are all, actually, those would be fine. But you know what I mean? Like you can't build the whole roster around what we call in Nets land friends of Kevin. Like, I mean, they, they, they fired the coach cause he was starting Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan right. to a degree. Right. Like, let's just, I mean, at that point you're giving up a lot of, you know, very interesting, uh, uh, power to a guy, and and so like I'm curious, like what's going to happen when Steve Nash goes? Hey, I kind of want to start Jared Allen more than than DJ, or I want to play him a lot more. You know, what's KD and and Kyrie going to do? That that is almost why, as someone who's been watching the Nets for a while, I think that they're going to try to get rid of not try to get rid of Jared Allen, but if it behooves them that Jared Allen could be in a trade package this off season for someone. Because you also just look at it from a financial perspective. You're paying DeAndre Jordan $10 million a year. Um, it doesn't make sense in the modern NBA to then give an extension to another center who who you're going to have to share. Like, they're going to share the 48 minutes that you have at center. And really, at the end of games, Kevin Durant should be playing center, like, offensively. And he should be playing. So I just think that Jared Allen... If he's not moved by the start of the season, will be moved at some point because the Nets can't pay him. Like they just can't do it. And that's and again, that's just one of those things. Like you're looking at it again. You're gonna you're gonna keep DeAndre Jordan, who's 31 years old, mm-hmm. because you paid him this contract, and you're gonna give up the more promising prospect in 21 year old Jared Allen. 21 year old Jared Allen, I think, is as good as DeAndre Jordan right now. Is, is that sure. a fair point or? For- for sure, I actually think it was close. It, it was back and forth this year. It was more back and forth than people want to admit in terms of how much DeAndre- better DJ was this year. Right, yeah. right. I think because because the contract, everyone was blinded by it, and I understand that. But Jared Allen played fantastic in the bubble, and if, you know, if, you're, if you're getting the same thing out of a 21 year old guy, exactly, you're 31 year old, wouldn't you always go with the younger guy and and, and start to uh, listen? Unless you're listen, unless you're getting a, a 
if he's in the trade package, again, like I, I still think it's crazy, but like if you're going to get Beal, you make that trade. You know, it's no question, right? And he's going to be in any big trade package, I think, you know, if they want to bring in a third guy. You know, the, the just the thing is, if you had to choose, you would always pick the younger guy. Because 100%. you're looking at it going like he's gonna he's as good as the 31 year old now, and that means at 21 he can get better. He can get better at 25. We haven't even gotten the best of Jared Allen. Like they might, you're right with everything you said, Mike, and they might move Jared Allen. But three or four years down the road, when DJ's 36, 37, and probably retired, I think you're going to be looking at it going like, man, Jared Allen's killing right now, and, and killing the degree where you're just like, he ain't going to be like, I don't think he's going to be a superstar or anything, but you're just going to be like, damn, he's a hell of a piece. I wish we had him. It's going to be interesting too. It's like. So the one way you could upgrade the roster, and I, who liked how Rudy Gobert played in the bubble, though, of course, that could be, I, I mean, I don't think we should discount all the science on COVID and how it does impact a person. And I talked about this with John Hollinger. Rudy, Rudy Gobert is the thing, if he were to be available, you could upgrade the roster. Not can't happen. Can't happen. Because you can't, you couldn't do that to DeAndre Jordan because De, that wouldn't, exist so i that is actually what makes it almost more difficult that the allowance that is given to kevin durant and kyrie irving of having deandre jordan on the team is that he plays the one position on the floor that there can't be two of them unless if you're the 76ers who seem to like to have five five centers six seven they try to play eight of them at the same time like it's not a uh (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you there's no way to finagle this right that you would never play deandre jordan and jared allen together i mean i'm it, sure you, you that would be a, a wild thing to do you know it, it's just interesting man i just think they've put themselves but it's not even just a debate between the two of them i just think they've put themselves in a conundrum in terms of we're just deferring everything to these guys and whatever they want they're gonna get and listen it it better pan out and you better win a championship because if you don't, you're you're going to be put off in a worse situation. You're going to have given up a lot of young, useful, useful assets in a, in this situation and ended up with a bunch of guys you're not, you're not that, all that into. You know, I, I equated to uh, two best friends going like, yo, let's go move in together. And then you start, when you see each other every day, when you're living together, you find out one's a slob, one doesn't do this, one has this weird habit and things like that. And you end up kind of slowly disliking each other. And I think they're going to be in a, that's a, I think that's something that's possible, you know, and I think we've seen it where guys who are supposedly close friends, just not able to get along on the court together at the same time. So I think the Nets are just in a very interesting situation and how they're kind of playing this all call me whatever stupid down the road or or conservative or whatnot. I just think they're going too far with it. Because, yes, you do concede certain things to your star players, right? You do try to make the right moves for them. And if they want, you you know, they need something, you you try to make sure you get it. But at the same time, you, you give up everything. You better have a championship at the end to show for it. So... This was a positive, positive podcast for Nets fans. No, but it does make, and I, I will finish up with this. I think the NBA should be happy the Nets are doing what they're doing. They don't know if it's good for the Nets, which is the Nets have been the most interesting non-Lakers team over the past whatever month because 
they are making unique moves. They're they're outside the box moves, which typically actually don't work. <laughs> um, but they're making outside the box moves, and it will be extremely interesting to see how aggressive Sean Marks is in making a trade or not. And, and, and that'll and be a big thing. Before I get, because I know Nets fans have probably already pissed off at me and are yeah, tell are, everyone your Twitter again are, are, are burning me in effigy. No. But the, uh, the the team is good. Like I think they're in a they're gonna be in the mix. Like it's not a I, I don't think they're gonna have. I mean they have some things to figure out or whatnot. But you got KD and you have Kyrie. Like you're you're in a better starting point than. 85, 90% of the league. Like I, you know, wherever you want to put it, like this is the team I expect to compete and to, and to do really well. I think it's, it's, uh, I, I just think there are things that are worrisome and those might be issues that are more down the line than, than, you know, short term and this season, but there's going to be stuff. And, and, and again, I'm relieved. I'm just going to say it again, Mike, <laughs> I'm relieved. They brought in some good, you know, they brought in coaching experience. You know, D'Antoni brings a ton of wealth experience. You know, Ime Udoka does. I mean, Jack Vaughn's been around and also a head coach. You know, I think that's that's a uh, something that made me this morning go like, okay, I feel better about the Nets. As I said, the next assistant coach they're going to hire is a hologram John Wooden. I can't wait for that. Uh, Mo, thanks again. If people want to listen to Mo on a more regular basis – and let's say you're a Houston Rockets and Brooklyn Nets fan. God bless you. You go to Brody and the Beard or really go to the Athletic NBA show. He, Seth Partnow, and Dave Dufour do Nerder She Wrote is one of the smartest podcasts about basketball. And of course, you can read them at Bleach Report. Mo, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Mike. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.